0: everybody it's jeff before we start today i want to talk for a minute about mxu team so if you're a team subscriber you already know that you have an unlimited number of licenses that you can provision to all of your volunteers to have access to the mxu now library of videos but let's imagine that you have a different person responsible for video volunteers and lighting volunteers and audio volunteers well we've now introduced a feature called roles where you as the team owner can assign a role of team lead to those leaders where they can create playlists for the volunteers that are under them. So not only do you have the user role where everybody can access the library, but team lead is the newest role. So make sure to check that out. Also, a feature that we're super excited about is assignments, the ability to assign playlists, assign videos, and monitor your team's progress. That feature is in beta testing now And it will be ready very soon so be on the lookout for that if you're not an mxu team subscriber go to getmxu.com and sign up today now let's get to the episode you are now entering the mxu podcast no credentials required well hey everybody welcome to episode 104 of the mxu podcast i'm jeff sandstrom and i'm here with my good buddy and co-host lee fields and we're excited to have a great conversation today about lots of things, but we'll save the meat of that for our special guest who's gonna be awesome. But meanwhile, how you doing, Lee? I am great. Good. Well, you sound great. What is, uh, what's new? So the big, obviously for those of you who listened last week, you know that we were together in Knoxville, um, just dreaming and planning and getting excited for the new office space. In Knoxville, and it's going to be amazing. But now we're not a we're not together this week. We're
1: no nope. on Zoom as as always back home. So, um, what's new? Um, what is new? Went to dinner last night with uh, two friends, one of which is leaving the state of California, like millions of others. <laughs> um, and we went to a restaurant in Sacramento, and I'm I like food. Oh yeah, we've talked about this before. I I like to f- to feel like that I know my way around the food scene in my own town. Yeah, of course. And we went to a restaurant last night I'd never been to and it's been here longer than me. And <laughs> okay. I think it's the best restaurant I've been to in Sacramento and I'm pretty upset about it. That's hilarious. Yeah. So why didn't you know about this place before? Well, I knew about it. I knew it's the name of the restaurant's called Ella. I think it's maybe okay. Ella Dining. And Maybe this has happened to you before. I, I hear of a restaurant. I'm always on Yelp and Open Table and Resi looking at stuff. And I had confused Ella and another restaurant in my head. Mm. So like the menu, the style, the pictures, I thought it was a restaurant that's actually called The Porch. Okay. It's like a Southern cuisine place in Sacramento, which, by the way, don't ever go to a restaurant in California that specializes in Southern food because they don't know what the crap they're doing. Right, so it's I not just southern. Right, so I stayed away. Well, no, we walk in last night, and I'm like, "This place is not what I thought it was." <laughs> and it wasn't like the like super fancy white tablecloth, yeah. Like be real quiet. It was like it was buzzing. It's beside the state capitol, so it was full of lobbyists and politicians, and you know nine o'clock at night, and the place was slammed. But anyway, the That's food so was funny. The food was fantastic, and that has nothing to do with church production.
0: No, but it is a good hobby, and
1: it is a fun thing to do. But I will say this. I was pretty disciplined on the um, food intake. Okay. So, yeah, we need to kind
0: of talk about the MXU 75 for a minute. So, yeah. we're on today's uh, February twenty-third, 24th, Sorry, so we're 23 and a half days in to the MXU 75. Yep. So,
1: almost a third of the way in. How's it going so far? Um, I think it's going very good. Good. I, like, just dinner last night, for example, um, it was one of my best friends leaving California, and we've had a lot of great meals together. Aaron Padilla is moving away from California. So we kind of went for it, you know? I was like, Aaron, order whatever you want. So he orders appetizers, and he orders the bone marrow, the steak tartare, and oysters. Okay. And I... I didn't eat, but two bites of bone marrow, one fork of tartar with no bread, and I I did slam like three oysters. But if I had done that six months ago, I would have smashed all that bread. I would have just cleaned up. and I And right. I didn't, the thing that I've noticed is I didn't notice I didn't eat a lot until later. It just mm. happened. That's good. So then like. We finish all the appetizers and the guy comes back and he's like, are y'all done with this? And I was like, well, I only ate one bite of that. Oh, wait, wait. I only ate one bite of that. Hmm. I would usually like feel like I'd, I'm full before salad even right. gets there. Right. So then he comes back and he's like, do you guys want soup and salad? It's one of those places, right? So yeah. you do apps and salads and then steak. And then I'm like, no, just bring on the steak. And then the steak and we shared, we like split a ribeye and split some lamb. I think I had a little bit of squash and avoided the potatoes and just had the meat. And then dessert came. I think I may have broke the rules a little. Are we not (laughs) supposed to have sweets right now?
0: I think that's coming soon, but maybe not yet.
1: Well, we ordered these beignets. Or Josh, the other guy, ordered beignets. But it wasn't beignet. It was a freaking donut. And there's three of them, and they're huge. Caramel sauce, bananas, candy pecans, in a bowl. Mm. So it's like you eat it with a fork. I had one bite. All right. That is some restraint because I probably wouldn't have done that. But I didn't feel like I was like, I'm only going to have one bite and then hold back. I was, I was satisfied. You weren't
0: intentionally restricting yourself. You were just paying attention and realized that that's all you needed. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Well, and on the appetizer stuff, it's like the more you read um, from nutritionists and especially if you're, wanting to build muscle and all that stuff. It's like the bone marrow. Even yeah, it's like yes. There's a ton of fat in it, and there's a ton of that kind of stuff. But because you didn't eat the bread, yeah, that's kind of the bigger
1: thing. Is I you know, did. I had one piece of bread with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I didn't. But you have weren't three. like sopping it up with a loaf of bread. No, yeah, no. Because the you know eating higher fat is not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. as long as it's not combined with all the carbs from bread and and sweets. So,
1: man, that's great. Yeah, so, you know, usually a restaurant like that, when you're kind of going for it, I walk out just feeling, like, stuffed. Yeah. And I did not feel like that, and I slept better. Usually, like, after you eat like that, you don't sleep great, you don't wake up feeling great. felt pretty good. That's really good. Well, we've gotten a lot of great stories from a lot of people
0: about their progress so far, and it's really... I mean, it's really been so cool to see how people are just digging in. And, yeah. you know, what I would consider the hard part hasn't really started yet. I mean, we're, we've been ramping up slowly. But right now, you know, we're coming into, like, starting on day 21 through 25. Oh, there it was. Sorry, I missed it. No sweets, treats. So, so you've, I failed? You've, well, you had one bite. Um, Dang it. but you know, we're adding, adding some more vegetables. We're upping the water intake and we're upping the, you know, the exercise. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, the struggle has been the water. Funny enough, it's like, they feel like they never knew how little water they were drinking before they started doing this. Yeah. So, um, but now in, in a few days, we're going to actually start our exercise portion. Yeah.
1: i us talk it was about gonna that. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, I have been going to the gym. Yeah, I have too. So, I, I switched from walking outside and walking to lunch to walking at the gym. Okay. Because it's up so high now that it's not just like go walk for a few minutes. Like Right. You know, walk to Chipotle and back. It's not enough now. Right. So, I am doing that on a treadmill, but I'm, I'm not jogging. I'm doing it like 2.5 miles an hour. So, it's like a brisk walk, mm-hmm. but- I'm starting the incline pretty steep and then every few minutes I'm taking it up so that the last the last five minutes of the walk, my heart rate's been at like one fifty. Wow. So you feel like you're almost walking upstairs at that point. It's pretty steep. It feels like, you know, like a a huge hill in my neighborhood or something like that. That's what it feels like. That's great. And then I'm hitting hitting the weights, which I said before, like I like that. Yeah. So that's been really fun. And then uh, I know you've been doing this, the, the level up stuff, which I didn't think I would do because I just need to walk. Well, you, I've been you know? doing some of it. Like I, I haven't been, because for those of you who haven't looked at
0: it, the level up your fitness is for people who are doing the 75 challenge, but they feel like they're already pretty fit. So Dr. Barrett prescribed this 100 rep challenge, which is basically every day of the week is a different exercise. In which you do 100 reps. So Mondays is air squats, Tuesdays is push ups, Wednesdays is sit ups. And so every Monday you do, supposed to do 100 air squats. So I've been doing that. But then on the other days, like I can't do 100 unbroken push ups. And so right. I've just tried to do as many as I can until you reach the point of failure. And once you fail on push ups or pull ups, those are exercises where it's like when you're done, you're done. Right. And so I've done like, Maybe three sets of push ups and gotten to like 60 instead of 100. And you can't, you physically can't do enough. Physically, just your shoulders are just burnt. Yeah. So, and then the next week, I'll try to do a few more or whatever. So, anyway, I know that you did air
1: squats last week. Yep. And you texted me and you said, I am dying. Like, I can't walk. And I did it at the gym. I felt like a complete idiot. I don't know. I'm I'm a little self conscious in certain parts of the gym <laughs> yeah like I, I don't mind in the, the weight section with all the with all the bros like i can hang right. they're doing you know there's guys and steroids in there just flinging weights around but like i don't feel comfortable trying to run on a treadmill beside some 120 pound girl and this ripped guy beside right. me it's not comfortable right. for me or standing there in front of a mirror doing air squats
0: That's with what a girl I did. who's
1: doing her Pilates routine, yeah. and it's like, I can't, I can barely move, and yeah. Yeah, These girl in perfect shape, and this dude on their foam rollers, and I'm standing in front of this mirror with my phone, and I get the timer out, and I hit go, and I'm just arms straight out, and I did the air squats. <laughs> but it took but me- But then, it took you, what, six and a half minutes the first time? Is that what it was? Six, six minutes, seven seconds. Yeah, but then Monday this past week you did it again one week later, and, and d- basically cut your time in half. I know three minutes forty four seconds.
0: Yeah, so it's just it's it's stunning how your body recovers and then it's ready to go again. It's like yeah, and you had you had the experience of having done it, and so you knew pacing and you knew. Okay, if I push myself, I could probably do more than X number at a time before I take a breather. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's like, it's amazing how quickly that stuff can become yep. uh, something that you can actually do. And that's 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 one thing that we've heard from people that I'm so encouraged by. It's like guys who were like, man, I barely could walk around the block and now I'm walking 20, 25 minutes a day with my kids, yeah. taking the dogs out and our whole family's going out and we're at the park and we're doing all this activity and what used to seem like a real hurdle is now something we're actually having
1: fun doing as a family. For sure. For so sure. Encouraging. After I did that first day of air squats, the next day I flew to Knoxville. So I was sitting on an airplane for four and a half hours to Atlanta. Yeah. I was destroyed. I was so <laughs> sore. Yeah. And and I know from working out before it's actually day 2 that you're the right. most sore. So then the next day, Tuesday, when we were in Knoxville, I was I was pretty roasted. It it hurt to sit down. You were limping a little bit when you had to get in and out of a chair. Yes. But just because those muscles are just fried. Totally. But this week cut the time almost in half and yeah. I'm a little sore, but I have to th- like am I sore? Oh yeah, there's yeah, that's a little sore. So it was Yeah. Night and day difference. That's awesome. So I didn't tell you this yet. Okay. So the next day on the list is the 100 push-ups. Yeah. Well, I, there's no way I can do 100 push-ups. I don't think I can probably even do 10 push-ups probably. Yeah. But it also, it says push-ups or bench press. Press, right. So I don't know if this is what he meant, but I was at the gym and I decided to try, like, what weight could I maybe do 100 times on a bench press? Is that what he meant? Yeah yeah I think so. So I put 85 pounds on, so the bar and 225s and I'm like, okay, let's see how long it takes me to do a 100 and I'll you know just break them up in what I think. So I did 30 non-stop and then had to stop and then yeah I kind of set up, let it like shake out a little and then went right back down, did 10 more or did no, I did 15 so that yeah. was 45 and then set back up, waited a minute or two or not not even that long. Back down and did five, and on the fifth one, KO done. <laughs> yeah, somebody was about to have to pull the bar off. I couldn't do anymore, but I did fifty in, I want to say like three minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. When you reach the point of failure,
0: it's like you just can't. No, you just can't go anymore, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Like, and that's what I did. Um, I, I did with an empty bar the first time we did those. Um, okay. And I was, you know, it was just. Forty-five pounds, and yep. just trying to go, 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 and it's like, okay, you get to a point, you do, like you said, do twenty-five or thirty, and then another ten, and then five, and then nope. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But to do fifty yeah. is great, and it's like, okay, next week maybe we'll do fifty-five. And then right. next week we'll do sixty. Yeah. And if you add five of those every week through the course of this thing, then by the end you'll be able to do a hundred, and it'll feel so good.
1: Yeah. If I could do so, eighty-five pounds a hundred times, I'd be freaking oh my jacked. <laughs> yeah, but I like hundred percent. But then I did That's a full, great. a full workout after that with weights. Yeah, let me just say the one you don't want
0: to do on a regular basis is Thursdays, which is a hundred burpees. Have you because, done that? Yeah, and that is a killer. What, what it's
1: like? What did he just say? Gas. The mod- modified version is? I, I don't remember. We'll have we to, need ask to him. figure that out. Yeah, Doctor B, what's the fat guy version <laughs> of a burpee? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, maybe that one. I don't. I I couldn't even do a hundred through the day. Yeah, I, you could. Well, well I, I. It's not practical because no, it's it's not. I'm just going to be a freaking ball of sweat five times a day. Like that's yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a way to modify it though. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, totally.
0: Anyway, for those of you who are with us on that, we're, we're for you. And we're going we're gonna to keep sharing as we go because as this gets more difficult, you know, and it's funny because I say difficult. Um, tomorrow we start the Tabata exercises, which yeah. for those of you who aren't familiar, you'll get the video from Dr. Barrett. But it's basically 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for eight rounds. So it's only four minutes total. Um, but it's basically 20 on 10 off, 20 on 10 off, 20 on 10 off till you get to eight eight cycles yeah. and tomorrow is jumping jacks. So you just do as many jumping jacks as you can for 20 seconds, breathe for 10 seconds, do it again, breathe, do it again. So the idea is you count your total reps over those eight rounds. So let's say you get you know I don't know five jumping jacks in 20 seconds times eight so you've got 40 okay so the next day you try to get more than 40. And the next day, you try to get more than that, and more than that, and then after five days of that, then we go to a new exercise. So it's it's going to be exciting to see how people are are doing once they actually start these body weight movements because jumping jacks are surprisingly
1: taxing, and I yeah. think you'll you'll figure that out once you start breathing heavy. But it's it's doable. So go for it. Uh, one thing we didn't do, I'm I'm going to throw this out there. You don't have to do this if you don't want to, but okay, the measurements. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm going to say so everybody knows what mine were. Okay? So my body fat percentage before we started was 39.7. Okay? Which was terrifying to think about 40 almost 40% of your body being fat. And I weighed in at 297, which is the most I've ever weighed for the second time. Wow. So, like 10 years ago I weighed that, lost a bunch of weight, gained it all back. So the day we started this it's coincidentally was the most i'd ever weighed so starting this tabata stuff is where i think a lot of the weight and the fat's going to come off yeah because i think the
0: fat burn comes from
1: this increased
0: cardio yeah. you know your heart rate once you get your heart rate up like you saw on the on the treadmill the other day you know yeah. the last 5 minutes you feel like you're walking up a steep hill your heart rate's 150 yeah you know you you keep your heart rate at 150 over An extended period of
1: time you're going to burn some fat totally i'm also six feet tall i should say that (laughs) i'm like trying to defend my weight (laughs) what's that that line
0: from the old show cheers um you know every time norm would walk into the bar they would say norm and the bartender would give him some question and he'd answer and one day it was hey what are you up to norm he goes my ideal weight if i were 11 feet tall (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Yeah, I um, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that when I did the measurements, my weight was the highest it's ever been as well. Oh, I weighed in at 220, which is incredibly high for me. Okay, um, I feel like my body, like the healthiest I've been, was probably 10 years ago or so, and the the weight at which I felt best is about 180 or less yeah and so i've got a long way to go to get to there but i feel like i'm making progress like i haven't haven't really jumped on a scale yet yeah we're not supposed to i know it's gonna be hard for me not to get obsessed about that so i'm gonna try to not do that but um i am feeling better just again just exercising more and just moving like get the heart rate going and I'm I'm not drinking and I'm not drinking coffee either. So
1: Yeah, that's right. You you cut alcohol already. By by accident. By accident. I
0: got sick kind of after passion and just decided, you know, I didn't want it and so I've kind of stayed away from it. And I'm sleeping better, I feel better. I think I've And you cut coffee also? Yeah, and that was kind of around the same time. I just I was I was thrown up as part of my sickness and that acid and the heartburn kind of feeling from that just made me not crave coffee so much. So
1: as I suck down a cold brew here in front of you. Yeah, but it's unsweetened and Oh yeah, zero calorie. Y- you're not doing it after two PM. No.
0: Because that's our one of our restrictions at this point. So yeah. But it's amazing how
1: much of a reduction in caffeine helps you sleep better. Right. That's true. I have noticed it's harder for me to want to sleep more than seven hours. Hmm. Like I wonder, we should have Barrett back at the halfway point. I think because I have questions. Like, yeah. is that a good sign that my body feels like it got what it needed in seven? Probably. I mean, I would think so. I'm not a. Yeah. I'm not a sleep scientist, but um, why don't you just th- act like you are one for a second? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Well, if you uh, if you really want to analyze the circadian rhythms about this process, Lee, <laughs> I think it's going to be indicative of the fact that your body is telling you that it is well rested because you're ready to wake up. Okay, I have I have no idea what I'm talking about, um, but I think if you're if you're sleeping more deeply, it would make sense that the the sleep that you're getting is of higher quality. Yeah, and like like you talked about. When we were with Dr. Barrett, if you can get to the point where your body's not dependent on a CPAP machine, or your snoring is better at least, and you're breathing better, and you're resting more deeply, then obviously the quality of sleep impacts
1: the the overall feeling of being well-rested. So yep. it's all good. It's all good. All let's, progress. Let's get him back on for the halfway point. Let's do that. Cool. That'd be great. Hey, um, I listened to the last episode. Um, yeah, I listened to our podcast. Um, I, do I actually too. just wanted to hear what it sounded like recorded in the same room in a loft. And Ugh. is a, that has to be a nightmare to edit. By the way, it was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> all the mic bleed and the volume. And- well,
0: and what I'm gonna I'm gonna call it out for those of you guys who have the Audio Technica mic yeah. with the USB and the xlr and what is it 2500 yeah it's like an 80 dollar mic yeah don't ever record it when it's not on a stand
1: oh because
0: the handling noise of that microphone is so bad i had to go in and basically crop anytime anybody picked up that mic before they spoke i had to go in and there's some that you can still hear it if you go back and listen closely so for those of you guys who were sort of surgically analyzing our podcast recording from last week and said, why is this so noisy? It's a mess. That's why.
1: It's the handling noise of that mic because it wasn't on a stand. Great. So I'm listening to it, and it started (laughs) with a a commercial, an ad for our friends at Church Gear. Yeah. And they're doing this promo code, MXU Easter, so you can get, is it 10% off? 10%, yeah. Yeah, so all their gear is certified. So I went to their website, and I started... Poking around. I'm like, what do they have? Because I know Elevation just sold them a literal trailer, truck trailer full of gear that's now in their inventory. Dude, they actually have cool stuff. It's awesome. I think they have a I think they have a KSM nine for like half the price of what you'd spend. Yeah. And it's all certified stuff. But they have, do you remember the um avid C24? Yeah, the control surface for yes. Pro Tools. Yes. They have one on there for a couple thousand bucks. Wow. So you basically get a, a workstation, console, yeah, for your DAW. Yeah. Which everyone knows I think DAWs are far superior than consoles. <laughs> we know that by now. Yeah. But the great thing is with the promo code
0: off that, you know, 10% off that $2700, you get $270 off of what's already a low price. So
1: you can save even more if you use the discount code MXU Easter. How do you think they get the How do you think they get the COVID off those microphones before they sell them? Well, th- I think that's
0: why the KSM nine is half price. It has COVID. It, it showed up to their office. It has COVID. Got so it. They had to disinfect it. So it's. I think it's on. Uh, they dipped it in some ivermectin.
1: So I think it's okay. Starts in China, ends in China. <laughs> Anyway, there's a bunch of cool stuff on there. I I clicked on the lighting category just to see, and I thought, Yeah, this is gonna be a bunch of like American DJ stuff. It's actually not. No, it's there's a- Lico's on there for like less than two hundred dollars each. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And it's all certified. So um I, there maybe there's an ad on here, but I was genuinely curious. So there's actually some pretty cool stuff on there. Y'all should go check it out. Yeah. There's a pro avid profile, greatest console of all time on there for ten thousand bucks with all the IO. That's
0: amazing. Amazing.
1: Yeah. I want that for my house, just to be able to have a band in my living room and make gold records. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a flashback to Saturday Night Live Christopher Walken episode. Yes, that's right. So use the discount code
0: MXU Easter Gear to get ten percent off at churchgear.com. Awesome. Sweet. So I think we have a turn down that we need to talk about. We oh. haven't done one of these in a while. All right. So this had to do with somebody's Christmas Eve service, and I just think it's an interesting story. So it's not necessarily an an indictment on these people, but it's it's just funny to me. So I'm just going to read what we got and see what you think. This past Christmas Eve marked a first for my family. My mom, brother, his wife, and his three girls all joined me to attend the service. We've not had that opportunity before. They visited my new home, and we spent the last week together. I think most of it affected my mom, and she loved it. The Christmas Eve service was well done. The message was on point. The teams worked hard to lead in worship, and the hot chocolate was a wonderful touch.
1: So we're good so far, right? I mean, this is like... I feel like we're eating a sandwich, and there's so much bread. I mean... We have not even gotten through half of this super thick ciabatta yet. (laughs) She's just stacking on all the compliments, and I'm just waiting for the hammer. Yeah. Yep. So here it comes. I strive not to be one
0: of the complainers, and I hope this does not come across that way. I do have one thing to share, though. There was one thing that did detract and make it hard to fully enjoy the service. The volume of the music was so loud that it hurt our ears. Parentheses, not just one person, but all of us. We loved the music, but could not fully enjoy it. My niece had to leave and was crying. The people in front of us were burying their heads, and there were others in the lobby who also had to leave because the volume was increased to a level that hurt. It was even louder than the surround sound of the Spider-Man movie. (laughs) I just wanted to reach out to someone to let you know that it will drive people away if they physically hurt when attending. My family chose to stay at my house and watch on the TV after that instead of coming on Sunday after the experience we had. I know it's intended to be a, quote, joyful noise and to immerse those attending in an amazing celebration, so I get it and know it was done for all the right reasons and best intentions. But I thought you might like to know. It sounds like somebody needs another cup of hot chocolate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time you're reading this cuz that's this is the third or fourth time i've heard it or read it like there's not a good way to complain about this no there's not and i feel like this lady actually tried her best yeah yeah so it's not it's like cuz at the bottom of at the bottom
0: of her uh letter she really is trying to like they wanted to have a great experience yeah they were there they were engaged their whole family wanted to enjoy it they were trying to celebrate and something about it was distracting i mean it was yeah it may have been a, a frequency it may have been where they were sitting uh, you know somebody's yeah. holding their ears it's like okay there there probably is something wrong you know you make a little girl cry i think there's probably something to pay attention to yeah but it wasn't like she was just like on the Another comment that we got was on a prayer request card. It says, how can we pray for you this week? And in an old, looks like an old person's handwriting, it says, sound is way too loud. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, we'll be praying for you on that. The calligraphy with the feather. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. At least she wasn't um, passive
1: aggressive like that. She really was trying to be encouraging. So. Yeah, I think. It's tough. So. uh, I feel like that's the type of sound complaint email my wife would write if she felt compelled to write one, because yeah. she'll say things to me in the car like, this song hurts my ears. That uh-huh. that the, that phrase has come out of her mouth many times, but every time I know what it is, it could be- Even listening on the radio. On the radio. It could be the kick sample. So you know that new Russell Dickerson song, uh, She Likes It? Yeah. Okay, so it's like a Stratocaster and a drum machine, and that's like it. Right. But the kick drum on it is that more, um, it's a higher p- pitch, like boom, kick drum. It's uh-huh. not super low, 40, 50 hertz. Right. F- and it's a little loud in the mix. So she, as soon as that comes in on that chorus, she's like, this song hurts my ears. I just Interesting. think- People that are saying it hurts our ears, it's, it's probably low end. And when mm-hmm. they feel it, they're not in other environments where they feel that all the time. Right. So they, they go, it's sound. It's, it, that is what is happening and it's loud. So that means ears and I'm uncomfortable. It hurts my ears. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: And the little girl crying. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's what made her cry. I think that also happened because she may have had a horrible day. Didn't even want to be there. Yeah. You know, or maybe the singers suck. Like it, it it, it could be a lot of different things. Yeah. Or she's really young and hasn't been to a rock show and
0: never felt the effect of a subwoofer before. Exactly. And it it just scared her. Yes.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or, or there are people like my mother-in-law who she has hearing aids and she's 80. She doesn't hear very well. And so for her, being in a room with a loud subwoofer environment, it's just the balance of the low frequency versus high frequency yeah. is so out of balance that it just, it's disruptive to her brain. It's yeah. like her, her whole head just kind of shakes inside because she doesn't have the high frequency information to compensate for what's happening in the low
1: end. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that's a – you're probably not going to like this church not – Oh, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's probably how the church is all the time. And everybody that loves that church is good with it and enjoys it. And they're turning it up on Christmas Eve because it's, hey, we're going to celebrate.
0: This is more of a concert. Right. This is more of a, you know, we're going to create this experience for
1: people. Yeah. And, you know, they want to kind of, they're amped up and they tend to overdo it a little bit. I just had a thought for our audio podcast that's launching yeah. We should have an audiologist come on and talk about hearing aids, like a hearing aid specialist. Oh, that's a great idea. Cause I've noticed recently, like when I have my AirPods in and I get in my truck, and if they're on active with the mic on, like I just yeah. I leave them on like that most of the time and I shut the door. The oh, microphone's yeah. it's like clip. Your head caves in a little bit. The, yeah. But you can hear them clip. Yep. And it's like, <sighs> so what does that do with someone that's got hearing aids when they're in an environment with subwoofers? It's probably horrible yeah
0: it's interesting we'll, yeah. we'll
1: definitely do that um, audio
0: so- podcast speaking of which yeah. is launching soon so we have our first couple episodes recorded already and we're excited we have three new podcasts coming one specifically for audio one for lighting and one for video so that we can nerd out a little more than we do on this podcast um, this one's not going away but those other three are going to augment what we already are doing on this one to get more topic
1: specific with the experts in those areas um speaking of my truck i have an update on my have truck You upgraded your pa i i'm real close um excellent i know people want to know i am in touch with our friends at focal and we are working okay. on something excellent yeah so marcus from skylark we he and i were talking like maybe his team does the install in my truck Oh, dude. And we get, I I got a guy in Oregon that I've been talking to who hit us up on Instagram. Maybe he'll hear this. I haven't even asked him this yet, but like involve him to consult with the AVL integrators to help do the installation of my truck. I just want to see what it looks like to use smart to tune your truck PA. Exactly. Can you imagine a big TV outside in the front of my truck with an Earthworks mic on the inside? Amazing measuring the distance between those front dash speakers and the subwoofer
0: in the back seat to make sure that everything's time aligned properly yep the big question for me is how does this impact what i want to do to upgrade my
1: 2005 tacoma i that's out of my pay grade i don't know how to answer that i feel like we just need to get you bluetooth
0: Let's just start there. (laughs) Well, I thought, okay, how can I spend a couple hundred dollars and just get something with Apple CarPlay so that I can have maps and my phone sync to my car? Because right now, I have a six-disc
1: CD changer that's absolutely useless (laughs) because I have no CDs anymore. (laughs) The lady that wrote that uh, sound complaint definitely still uses CDs.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, she's got those Point of Grace records rocking every day. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: No, I think that's a thousand bucks to put in a, a head unit with CarPlay and Maps in your truck, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, but at this point, based on what it would take for me to get a new vehicle, I'm thinking that $1,000 might be a good investment because I might need <laughs> to hold on to this truck as long as possible.
1: <laughs> it's not a bad idea. That's not funny. a bad
0: idea. All right. Well, we're really excited about our special guest today. Um, he's been a friend of mine for a long time, and- I cannot wait for you all to hear from my friend Jeff because he is going to drop some bombs on us about leadership and team and how to work more effectively as a team and how to know and how to identify what your team is for. And so we're thrilled today to be joined by my friend Jeff Henderson. So let's get straight to the interview. Well, we're thrilled today to be joined by my friend Jeff Henderson. Uh, Jeff and I have known each other for years. Uh, Jeff was formerly the head pastor at the Buckhead Church, which was one of North Point Ministries' first satellite campuses outside of the kind of the mothership in Alpharetta, and then was the campus pastor at the Gwinnett Church, um, where we've interacted over the years through various events and production things and leadership events and other stuff. Jeff's one of the best leaders I've I've ever known. And everybody I know who's ever worked for Jeff has said that they would do anything to be able to work for this guy. So Jeff is going to share with us some great um, leadership insights, but also let us know what he's up to now, which is um, a company that he founded called Four, which is basically a way to let the community and your churches and other businesses know what you are for as a leader. So Jeff, thanks so much for being here. I hope I didn't botch that intro too badly, but um we're gonna get into the details about that in a minute. But welcome. Thanks for being here.
2: Jeff, it's great to see you, buddy. It's been too way too long since I've seen you in person.
0: I know. So catch us up a little bit for people who don't know you. I'm I love, I mean, we could talk all day about your history and what led you to the point where you are now, but um, just fill, fill us in for a second on your just your, your path through business world to church world to now where you are now.
2: I was a preacher's kid growing up, so I promised myself I would never, ever, ever, never work at a church. So I went into, um, <laughs> if, if no one gets anything out of what I say today, just never say never. Uh, that, that comes back to haunt you. So I had an interest in sports and developed, developed an interest in marketing. I didn't know that you could do sports marketing, so I started out with the Braves and really loved advertising and marketing and promotions and uh, worked for a couple of other outstanding organizations. And then um, landed at Chick-fil-A and handed all of their regional and sports marketing and beverage marketing for them. Loved it. And uh, they took me to a leadership church leadership conference in Chicago. And uh, that totally wrecked me. And I felt like at that that conference, God said, you're going to start a church someday. So that led a journey of me eventually leaving Chick Fil A to join North Point Ministries to help be in the early days of Buckhead Church is where you and I met Jeff, and uh, you know this was this crazy idea of the preacher would be on video and all that kind of stuff, which was you know something that all happens all over the world now, but at that time, back in those days, it was kind of an unheard of thing. So. So trying to explain to my in-laws and my parents that I'm leaving a multi-billion dollar company to go work at a church (laughs) where the preacher's on video. (laughs) Who
0: would ever, who would ever show up in a renovated grocery store to watch a preacher from 20 miles away on a video screen?
2: What are you doing? You promised to take care (laughs) of our daughter. So anyway, uh, (laughs) but it just, you know, you, uh, you were there, Jeff, it just exploded. And um, so, and then about eight years after Buckhead Church was going well. Uh, Andy Stanley, the senior pastor of North Point, asked me to launch Gwinnett Church. And so we launched two Gwinnett Church locations. And we began asking a question I think any organization needs to ask, and that is, what do you want to be known for? Um, And then what are we known for? And when it came to the church, we said, well, you know, when it comes to the church, generally speaking, the church is more known for what it's against rather than what it's for. And that really broke our hearts. And so we really wanted to change that at least in our little community. So we launched this little thing called for Gwinnett, and we can get into all the details of that. But over time, I started getting t-shirts and coffee bugs in the mail with for Guatemala and for Orlando and all this kind of stuff. And, um, the book I wrote in 2019 uh, kind of started to take off and it just got more and more requests. And so it uh, just eventually, both not just in church, but in the business world. And that led me to launching the four Company. And the opportunities just got to the point where Wendy and I said, you know, I think it's time to step into a new season. And you know this, Jeff, knowing me, I think about every seven or eight years, I make a change. So I think Wendy's understanding that now. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the journey being serving both the business world and the church world. And I still love going back and forth in the, to those two worlds.
1: That's awesome. That is, there's, there's so much I, I, questions there. I got questions about <laughs> sports marketing, about launching video church for the first time, about what you're doing now. I don't even know where to start, but yeah. so what to the Chick-fil-A sports marketing. So that's like the, um, the Chick-fil-A bowl games. It, was that your connection there? Is that the kind of stuff you did with them?
2: Chick-fil-A peach bowl, which they still do uh today. Yeah. And 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 primarily the, the strategy there for sports marketing, this wasn't because we all love sports. Yeah. Um, it was a college, uh, college sports strategy. And the reason is the distinguishing customer demographic difference with Chick-fil-A customers is that they had a college education. So if you looked at the footprint at that time, now Chick-fil-A's grown rapidly since I left, but if you know where the Atlantic Coast Conference schools are and the Southeastern yeah. Conference schools are, that was really where all the Chick Fil A uh, um, restaurants were, and sports marketing allowed us to get uh, national advertising for a regional brand at a fraction of the cost. And mm-hmm. uh, and then we at Chick Fil A we really just we call it street fighter marketing that we're not gonna we won't be able to compete with the ad dollar budgets of the McDonalds or Wendy's but we can compete on the street level and we can go head to head with them that way. But so we had kind of regional cover leveraging ESPN and sports marketing and and all of this that helps a regional brand kind of act like a national brand. Um, And it's, it's, they're still not in every 50 States yet. They're getting really, really close. Um, But at that point it was primarily a regional brand.
0: But they've definitely become a national brand for sure. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yep. Well, what I remember about the early days of Buckhead Church, and this this is something that a lot of our audience can resonate with because we have a lot of guys who are in smaller upstart church plant type situations. And what I what I felt like Buckhead Church was about in the early days was we're renovating this old Kroger grocery store and everybody was just all in. Everybody There was this feeling of everybody just holding on for dear life. It was so exciting and you're just kind of White knuckled against the seats, trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do next? And whether it was family ministry programming through things like what we were doing for preschoolers and children, or innovative student ministry, or just the fact that this Sunday morning experience was so different because here's this video teaching that was incredible, paired with great on stage, on site leadership and a great staff. It was just, it was so much fun to be a part of. So, you know, as that moved into Gwinnett Church and now, what you're doing. Um, just talk for a minute about that, that ride of just leading through those, um, exciting, but tumultuous and risky times. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, it was very exciting. You know, you, you just, it was just unbelievable. I, I I tell a quick story. Um, so, and you may remember these things, Lee, you're not from Atlanta, but
1: I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, actually. All right. So I know enough about it.
2: So do you guys remember Turtles Records and Tapes back in the day? I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. So this is back in the day. My my dad and I, years ago, when I was in high school, we were driving somewhere early on a Saturday morning. And this is back in the day, you know, pre-internet, you had to actually go to Turtles Records and tape to buy concert tickets. So there's a lot of people outside at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And my dad's like, what? What are these people doing so early on a Saturday morning? And, uh, And so I said, well, there's a concert coming to town, and they're trying to get tickets. And they're lining up to get tickets. And my dad said, who's a preacher, he goes, you know, I hope that before I pass away, that I'm able to see people stand in line to get inside to go to a church someday, because uh, I want to see that. So uh, in the you know, one of those early Sundays at Buckhead, it's, all, it's chaos. I mean, people are coming up to me, asking me questions about what to do and bless their hearts. They think I have the answer. And, uh, and I'm like, don't forget just a few months ago, I was a chicken salesman and now I'm a pastor and I, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. know. but in the midst of all the chaos and Hey, you know, we need to pause the service a little bit before it starts to get, you know, more people in. Cause the cars are backed up, all that kind of stuff. I turned to my dad and I said, Hey dad, remember the turtles, records and tapes. Um, your dream came true. People are trying to, they're standing in line to get inside to hear about Jesus. So it was just so phenomenal. But, you know, there's challenges to all that. And, um, but I tell folks that, you know, uh, I tell my kids, my kid, Jesse's launching a church, helping launch a church in Birmingham, and she's having similar challenges. I said, hey, there's uphill challenges or downhill challenges. I'd rather have the growth challenges than, than, than not. And uh, but I think part of it, I, I'm so grateful that I would pause and I would look around and I would go, don't don't get so consumed by the work that you you miss the wonder of this. And mm-hmm. uh, and we experienced the same thing at at Gwinnett. You know, I remember when, our opening day when we shut down Peachtree Industrial Boulevard. The, the police said nobody else can come in. Um, our team was a little concerned by that, but I'm like, hey, look, as a marketing guy. Yeah, The the best thing that Disney says is when they close the gates and they go, I'm sorry, we're full, but you can come back tomorrow. So I love all that chaos, (laughs) right? So the the, the growth and all that is really important. But it's really, you know, it kind of comes down to vision and and making sure everybody turns, looks around and says, hey, look at, see see what's happening here. It's really, really important. It's amazing. So those were some wonderful days. But I'll say this, looking back to Jeff, um, and Lee, I, I, I'm so glad that I didn't let the work consume my marriage and my role as a dad because, you know, somebody else is the lead pastor of Buckhead church. Now somebody else is the lead pastor of two, at church locations and, but I'm still married to Wendy and I still love my kids. And so don't let the work, even in the, how fun it is, don't
1: let the work supersede what's most important. And that's so good. I'm so glad you said that And for what we do, you know, we have a tribe of technical church leaders and it's just as easy for them to be there 80 hours a week as it is a senior pastor. You know, I think the pressures are different. The responsibilities are different, but it's so easy to avoid going home and put that as a, a different priority. And for the technical guys and the musicians at the church, it's easy to make the senior pastor, the villain there. So you've been that and we maybe this is the case somewhere out there. there There's some senior pastors that this would apply to, but 99.9% of senior pastors want their teams to have healthy lives. They just want them to figure it out for themselves. I feel like, and, and not be there 80 hours a week. So just talk for a minute about that and your role there. And I mean, what you guys were doing was monumental and a breakthrough in technology and the pressures on that team. But
2: well, I, I, I wrote in my book that when it comes to the team, the, the customer is eventually treated like the team is treated. And that's a, it's, oh, a, wow. it's, a, it's a culture issue. And a lot of organizations talk about culture, but they, they treat their team as a, a means to an end. And from my perspective, my number one customer wasn't actually the people attending the church. My number one customer was my team. Oh my because nobody woke up thinking about them necessarily. Um, but I got to. And that wasn't, that's not to say that I didn't care about the people coming. I, I dearly did, but I knew that the best way to take care of them was to take care of the team. And, uh, and that's the wonder of, I mean, I love to preach and speak, but I'm no Andy Stanley. And so I knew one of the things I ask preachers is how many great sermons can you preach in a year? Not how many sermons can you preach in a year? How many great sermons can you preach in a year? <laughs> and, and I, I didn't have 42 in me. I had, I could do about 12 to 15. Um, you know, people would come up to me and go, man, that's awesome. You, you should preach more. And I'm like, no, nope, that's about all I got. 12, 15. <laughs> and, um, so, but for me, I, I, you know, growing up in church, seeing how people treated my dad, uh, the first memory I have of my dad, my church is my mom and dad having a conversation on Sunday night. And my dad saying, well, Deacon so-and-so is mad at me and brother so-and-so is mad at me. And my first thought of the local church is why do these people hate my dad? And um, I'm like, I'm. That's why I said, I'm. That was a little thought bubble that formed into a decision of I will never work at a church. Um, and but I knew enough about organizational culture, having been dipped in the Chick Fil A culture, and going, this is amazing. I mean, nobody ever leaves. Only crazy people like me ever leave Chick Fil A. And so, <laughs> but I took what I learned there and just started applying it to to our team culture and. Um, I, I mean, from a theological standpoint, I felt like, and I still do that. I have a stewardship responsibility that the Lord will ask me, Hey, when these people who served under your leadership at Buckhead church and Gwinnett church, um, were they better? Did you leave them better than when you found them? And I just felt like if, if we can create a great team culture at church, I mean, you know, the rest will take care of itself. And you know, there's the old adage when it comes to technical and production and staff and volunteers, and employees. I didn't say this so nobody get mad at me. But the 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 greatest miracle in the church is when a production person comes to Christ because yeah. they've they've seen it all. <laughs> right. They, they've been treated terribly, um, and I'm like, no, that's that's not going to happen on on my. now. We we weren't perfect, but that's not going to happen on our watch. And in fact, I think one of the best things we did is this is so simple. Everybody can do it. We just sent everything. This is, nobody needs to write this down because it's so simple, but we just sent birthday cards (laughs) with a Chick-fil-A coupon because I still had connections to Chick-fil-A. And (laughs) you would think that's, that's not that big of a deal. And it's not that big of a deal, but people just, they just wanted to be noticed. And um, there's a, there's one one quick story about Chick-fil-A. There's an operator who um, who ha- ask his team before they leave the day to go say, Hey, or when they arrive say, Hey to everybody. And when they say, when they leave to go say bye to everybody. And his point is, is that you might be anonymous everywhere else in your life, but you're not going to be anonymous here. And I just wanted, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wanted people to be known and to have a great experience working there. And if that was the case, you know, cause I, and this is what I learned from true Kathy and i am done I promise. And just talk about it from, uh, from a business standpoint. Um, I I I discovered the secret of how truett grew the business. And it wasn't just the two pickles on the sandwich. It was truett was more interested in the business growing people than he was people growing the business. And that's how the business grew. Because he figured if he can grow people, they'll take care of the business. And that's exactly what happened. And I feel like in some degree that's what happened at Buckhead and Gwinnett.
0: That's amazing. Well, just that. The simple thing of just looking people in the eye and communicating and showing gratitude is so important for our group that's listening now because we're populated by a tribe of nerdy introverts who really don't always do a great job of reaching out and being proactive and all of those things. And I think you know, gr- the, the idea of gratitude is is kind of in here somewhere. And I know that you're. Personally, one of your personal habits over your, over your whole career has been you're kind of famous for sending handwritten thank you notes to people, and that has always been a thing that has impacted me in just going, man, I want to be a person who does that for people. So talk for a minute about gratitude and just how important that is for you as a person you as a leader, and how that communicates to the rest of your team? Because I, I I think the stat is you try to write three handwritten thank you notes a day. Is that still true?
2: Yep. Yep. And uh, well, I think the greatest principle I've ever heard on gratitude comes from Andy when he said Unex- unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. In, in other words, if you don't express gratitude, because we are like, I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful for Lee, or I'm thankful for Jeff, or I'm thankful for the people in my life. But if I don't express it, it comes across as ingratitude. And that was just always challenging to me to go, you know what? I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that they know that I'm grateful for them, right? They, they, they know that. And uh, it's just been, Jeff, I mean, I would love to say that people are texting me about my sermons over the years, although one person did actually <laughs> yesterday. But people send me, I mean, I got a, you know, Billy Bowie, I got a I got a text from Billy a couple of weeks ago of a handwritten thank you note I sent his wife and this was back in the grocery store days 2006 or something and because they were cleaning out and uh, he was like hey we still got this and we're not throwing this away and I'm like oh my gosh that was however many years ago I'm not getting that." and uh, I think people just want to be seen they want to be appreciated and they want to like hey they want to know that you you noticed them but you got to have a system you have to get it. And so for me, the system was on Sunday night, I would just, you know, put out on our Slack channel. Hey, does it did did you anybody have any great volunteer stories today? And and they would send me those stories in and then I would just write those notes. And um, so I, it was just mind boggling to me, the feedback I got on the, on the thank you handwritten thank you notes. But I, I really encourage people don't I mean, I'm all for technology. I'm all for email. I'm all for texting. But the, the, the powerful moment is going to the mailbox and actually getting an old school handwritten thank you note. And, um, and yeah, I'm not perfect at it, but, um, but I did write three yesterday. It's still early today though. I haven't written any yet, (laughs) but that bothers me. So I got, I got, but I got to have a system. So, and then I got no cards in my, my car, my, my, you know, my bag and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always constantly looking. And when you're constantly looking to thank people, it's amazing how the stories just appear.
0: Okay, so you said not to write down earlier what you said, but I think every production director listening needs to write that down because that is such a huge tip and a way to provide value to your volunteers, a way to encourage people that doesn't take that much effort, but they will feel appreciated and feel your gratitude in a way that just, you know, thinking it won't ever do that's mm-hmm. um, that's incredible well and if
2: you'll go to if you go to your local i mean I, I, i'm wendy kiss me all the time jeff because you know you've never really left chick-fil-a so i'm not promoting chick-fil-a today but if you if you could go to your local chick-fil-a and hey can i get like 25 free coupons to give to people as when i write birthday cards or thank you notes they're going to say sure that'd be awesome because you're promoting business um just little things like that uh they're not you know there's a book out there that says Don't Sweat the Small Things. Great book, but I don't believe in that. I believe small things do are, are big things. So do sweat mm-hmm. the small things.
0: That's good. That's so good. So obviously that sentiment and that idea of impact and how people feel about you and your organization is kind of what led to the For Gwinnett campaign and now what you're doing now. So talk for a minute about what that, what that turn was like in terms of, okay, we don't want to be known as a church for what we're against. We want to be known by what we're for. And then all of a sudden, you've got four Gwinnett stickers on the back of every soccer mom's car. You've got t-shirts. You've got stuff all through Gwinnett County and projects and serving and help and money, all these things that are going to build the people who need that support all throughout Gwinnett County and now throughout the country. So just talk for a minute about how that happened and how it's growing?
2: Well, when we discovered, you know, this, we, we bumped up to this reality that, that the church, for many people, the church is more known for what it's against, from what it's for. As a brand marketing guy, I mean, you can take the guy out of marketing, but you can't take the marketing out of the guy. When I saw that, and I know the church isn't a brand, I get all that, you know, it's not a business, I get all that. But when I saw that, I thought, that's a brand issue. That's a brand image issue. And we can solve that. We can't solve it for the world, but we can solve it for our community. And I just went all in on Fort Gwinnett. And, uh, you know, I just gave everybody. And we put when we bought the property, we just put a sign out there that said, hashtag Fort Gwinnett. And I got some feedback, like, hey, how are they going to know it's Gwinnett Church? And we don't even have the website on there. How are they going to know it's a church? And I said, exactly. They're not going to. (laughs) <laughs> it's all, I want to create some buzz. Like what, what is that sign up there? And then we gave, and it was just like 200 of us at the time. We gave them t-shirts. I'm like, I'm giving you a t-shirt. This isn't a free t-shirt. This is, this is an evangelism tool. And when you go into the grocery stores and the ballparks and restaurants and people go, Hey, wait, there's a sign up there that says for going and you're wearing a t-shirt that says for Is that going to, what is that? What is, and, and whatever they say in that moment is gold. And many times organizations give people way too much to say, Hey, here's our mission statement. It's 17 paragraphs long. We came up with it seven years ago on a retreat and it's in a filing cabinet somewhere that nobody can remember, <laughs> but at least we have it. And if somebody asks for our mission statement, we can go here it is. Right. And we didn't want, you know, vision has to have vision carriers. And so I, I got them all together and said, so here's what I want you to say. It's going to be a church, a church. Well, why does it say four going end? Well, Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And we believe the church is, is for you because God is for you. That conversation catapulted uh, going at church in the early days. And it just it was really clear. And the more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have. So whether it's mm-hmm. a church or a business, if the vision of the organization is relegated to one person or even the leadership team, you've put a lid on that vision. But when our volunteers could communicate in the grocery store and the ballparks what Fort Gwinnett was all about, then they became our ambassadors, and that's what that's what grew the church. And it's been fun to see how this has all played out. But in a in a post COVID world, you know, when COVID hit, I got our church to get our staff together and said, "Hey, look, let's just keep doing what we're doing because we've been adding so much value to this community." That's what we're just going to keep doing. Because one of the other questions we asked Jeff and Lee in the early days was this, if in the future, Gwinnett Church decided to close down, would the community even notice? And Mm. if the answer to that question is no, then we have not done our job.
0: Why are we even bothering?
2: Yeah. And the reality, and this isn't just true for churches, this is true for businesses, but Every day there are churches that close down and the community just keeps right on going because there's no value coming from outside the walls of the fourth church. And I feel like that's what Jesus said is hey, you're a light, you're the light of the world. You're you're a city on a hill. I mean, you've got to add value. And so that's that's where that all came from. But leaders are repeaters. Uh, one of the biggest challenges I've seen churches when they launched the four campaign. they do it for a few months and then they just move on to the next thing and you you can't do that you got to pick one thing and go deep and stay on it um because you got to say it over and over and over and over again and i knew for me that you just gotta you gotta stay on message and it's not enough to start with why you have to stay with why and it was my job as the leader to make sure that we were staying on vision and purpose um and and so that's what that's that's kind of the story behind that. And that's why it's been so fun to see other leaders staying on message in their community and giving the church a different um, perspective for people in their own communities.
0: That's so good. Well, there's so many organizations and even teams within organizations that think they have vision that sticks and maybe one person can describe what it is or what it means. And it's it's just it's it gets diluted so that idea of being consistent and being just pounding it into people so that they can repeat it and you know that it gets contagious i mean that's something that a lot of people struggle with so whether or not somebody's using four or not i think this idea of vision is so important for teams and even for you know teams within larger organizations to be able to to have something clear and concise that they can hold on to to be able to communicate to their volunteers, to be able to mm-hmm. communicate to the outside world. you know, it's So for people who are struggling with that, what's a couple of tips that you could say that would just help people kind of come up with whatever that is that is more sticky? Mm-hmm.
2: The first place is to do a vision inventory. And what I mean by that is just ask people, hey, what do you think our organization, what do you think our church, what do you think our business wants to be known for? And if you get some blank stares or if you get a lot of different answers, hey, you've done the hard work of realizing, all right, we got some work to do here. Uh, if there's really clear uh, language to that, then that's awesome. Then um, that's, that's half the battle. But when it comes to these questions of what do you want to be known for and what are you known for? Um, getting really honest about what, what are you known for Mm. Uh, is helpful because it's going to shrink the gap. Every organization, I don't care what it is, there's a gap between what you want to be known for and what you are known for. And every single day is an opportunity for you to come to work and shrink that gap. But you got to find out where you are, where you are in the continuum. So I think doing a vision inventory and asking what are are we known for is is a great place to be. And then language is so important. Um, It's not enough to know that hey this is what we want to be known for there has to be language that is sticky enough and less is more and you it's Mm -hmm. hard hard work i mean like you know the one campaign what do they want to be known for making poverty history well i don't know how who came up with that but those three words i bet it took a long time and but it's brilliant it's brilliant and it's three words and here we're still talking about it um so i would look And I would, the one thing about vision inventory is even if people are right about what you want to be known for, if they get stuck halfway through their explanation and they look up and they're trying to remember the words, all right, we got work to do. (laughs) Um, And don't, don't beat yourself up if that's the case. This is hard. I mean, getting you know, four Gwinnett or eat more chicken or making poverty history. It's an extraordinary amount of hard work. And when I work with organizations and they ask me, why is this so hard? I'll say, I'll tell you why it's so hard. It's because it's hard. And you shouldn't be (laughs) be surprised. You're not doing anything wrong if you bump up against, wow, getting this language is hard. It's hard, hard work. It's why it's rare, honestly, uh, because a lot of organizations don't do the hard work to get the language right with the vision. So you gotta have, you gotta do the hard work of crafting that mission statement. So it's not enough about what you want to be known for, it's what What is the language you're using communicate? And is, is it easy to be repeatable, seven, eight, nine, 10 people down the line?
0: That's so good. Well, for people who want to dig in more and figure out how to get with you on how to make this better, what's the best way for people to connect with you and your organization?
2: They can just go to jeffhenderson.com. I would encourage them to get the book. I think that would, when they read the book, they may go, I don't want to talk to this guy. But uh, (laughs) in the book, uh, I provide my cell number and uh, they can just text me. And, but I think using the book, one of the reasons I wrote the book is for leadership teams to read it together, to help them with their, with their vision. Um, and it's, a it's, it's currently sold out on Amazon, but you can get the audible. Um, but, uh, but I think I would start there because that's going to help great. you understand the message of four, both from a business standpoint and a church standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, they can just, they can just get my cell number from the book.
0: That's so good. Well, I think the key distinctive here is not just what you want to be known for, but what are you actually known for? And I right. think people too many times get stuck in the. Here's what we want to be known for. We're doing awesome. This is what we're going to be known for. And what they're actually known for might be completely different. So just that inventory is going to make such a difference for so many people.
2: And it takes, it takes courage. It takes courage yeah, to, totally. to, to do that. You gotta be and, honest. Yeah, gotta be honest. And don't beat yourself up when you get some some different answers than what you hope it is. That's that actually is a reminder of why leaders come to work. Is all right, I'm here to close the gap between those two questions.
0: Let's fix it. That's good. Well, one more question before I let you go. Um, you're also famous for being a pretty voracious reader. And I know that your book list over the years has usually anywhere between 30 and 50 books that you're trying to read every year. So what are you reading now that has impacted you? And what would you recommend as a as a good book other than your book that people should dig into? Because I, I I'm looking for a good book.
2: Well, it depends because it depends on kind of, there's all sorts of categories. Like every one year when I published my reading list, Wendy said, Oh, that's awesome. You know, you might want to put some marriage books on there instead of just leadership. <laughs> so, um, but Oh, that's right. So there's all different things, but, but maybe it's easier to let you know what, um, I mean, what I'm reading, I'm reading right now, a uh, hero and a mission by Donald Miller, um, which is a fantastic book. Uh, and then I'm reading a book called the content trap and the, premise of that is is that uh great content doesn't sell a book you have to have you have to have connections uh the last supper on the moon by levi lesko talks about apollo 11 when they landed on the moon they actually buzz aldrin actually did uh communion uh on there and um and then i i love going back and reading uh john maxwell books so um the 15 walls of growth um I've read that before, but it just helps me. So I'm a big believer in re reading books and one of the books. So that's a book that I've reread. And then finally, a book that I read every year is by Ryan holiday and it's called ego is the enemy. Um, and it's just a reminder, Jeff, don't get, don't let your ego take you down. Um, and, um, um, and, you know, humility is one of those things where, if, if, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. If I were to tell you, Jeff, you know what one of the best things about me is? I am so humble. I am just a humble guy. Okay, I've, already, I've already failed the test. So I don't, right. I, I don't say I'm a humble person. I go, I'm a person who tries to practice humility because I know if I don't. I'll I'll get taken down by my ego, and I'm not the only one. Everybody that's listening to this, you've got an ego. So, ego is the enemy. By Ryan Holiday, is just an annual reminder for me. Don't let your ego take you down.
0: That's good. Well, you are one of the most humble leaders that I've ever met, and um, so. Obviously that book has paid off, but it's not just the book, it's who you are and who God made you to be. And I love seeing you live that out. So thanks so much for being with us today. We're we're I'm just grateful for your friendship and for your leadership in my life and Liz's life over the years and what you know, what Buckhead Church meant to us in our marriage and and what's happening now still at Gwinnett. It's just awesome to see. So thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. And I can't wait to catch up again soon.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Please tell Liz uh, hey for me, and and, uh, it's great to be with you and Lee today.
0: All right. Thanks. Well, that was awesome. You get gold nuggets like that, and they just keep coming. It's like, okay, who's taking notes, and how much
1: can I write down? I wish we could have him back and just talk for two hours about some of that stuff. He's definitely the smartest business leader, pastor guy we've had on the show. (laughs) Yeah, a combination of
0: marketing, branding, pastoral heart,
1: and team builder it's like man what a what a combo it was fun yeah there's not a lot of guys on this planet with that type of experience you know yeah yeah what a great guy it's very like talking to him i feel like very similar to talking with cj
0: who we've had on the podcast a few times where there's these just gold nuggets that you just
1: want to park and have a deep dive into this rabbit hole for a while so I know. Maybe we'll get to do that again with Jeff. I know. I felt like I wanted to just ask sports marketing questions at first. <laughs> I know, you know, but there's so much other good stuff and better stuff. Yeah, but it's yeah. Well, Jay decided turned 40 this week and was not on the podcast today. It's true. Happy birthday, Jay. We love you.
0: I I think he's at an event, uh, so he couldn't be here, or it could be that he celebrated communion too much last night and couldn't be here i'm not sure which but um he can't get his cowboy boots off that we surprised him with (laughs) that's right either way jay hope you have a great birthday and a great weekend
1: what are you doing this weekend um i'm going to charlotte north carolina this weekend oh that's right tell zach we said hi and the folks at elevation and uh I can't wait to get a report on how that goes. Yeah, so Corey and I are doing something fun out there, which we'll talk more about. And then I'm driving to Knoxville to pick up Spencer to drive to Kansas City, Missouri, to go hunting. That's a bit of a drive. Yeah, ten hours in the car with Spencer. Well, that's good. Yeah, maybe you guys can figure out how to make this MxU thing happen. We'll work on that, and we're going to yeah, go. Okay. Uh, we're going to go hunt all <laughs> week. So I'm taking a day to rest, a week to rest. A week to rest well
0: you've earned it and as we've talked to all these people who are listening about that's really important so work hard play hard rest hard it it all works together and until we meet again which will be soon we'll see you later all right see you later